0: ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music, and
1: more.
2: Let's uh, let's talk finance. Uh, Nick Bruning is, as you know, independent financial expert and joins us live on the line tonight. Nick, good evening to you. Hello, Phil, and I'll add, welcome back. Thank you. Yes, no, <laughs> well, it's extremely good to be back, you know. it's uh, You forget, you see, it's not really work for me. <laughs> I do love coming in. <laughs> I do love coming in. Uh, now, how have you been, all right? Have you, have you yeah. had any ruinously
3: expensive uh, wed- weddings uh, <laughs> over the years? <laughs> no. not, not yet, Phil, but oh. there's another one looming, um, which is terrific oh. news. But no, no, um, I know. This is what uh, we're obliged to say. No, yes. no, and
2: we do say. We do say from the bottom of our heart and the bottom <laughs> of our pocket. Yes. These are <laughs> tremendous events. Here, so.
3: more, more the latter. Um, yeah, so last year's was uh, in Sweden and now my, uh, my youngest son has decided Started to marry a lovely Scottish lass, uh, S- S- Steph. So we're off to um, to Bonnie Scotland in January next year. Is that right? Should be young Steph- <laughs> young Stephanie McGregor. Right? <laughs> That's not quite <laughs> Craw, Craw,
2: Stephanie so, Craw, Craw.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is he, going to wear a, is he going to wear a kilt? Well, the pressure's on, Phil. So like of course it is. it is. Yeah, that, the pressure is definitely on. And one, his future brother-in-law, you is should add
2: to fierce. it. <laughs> you should add to the pressure I- I'm by, saying, by saying, by mm-hmm. saying, you know what, son. I'm going to wear a kilt myself. <laughs> Phil,
3: Phil you you're adding pressure to what's already a very stressful event. <laughs> um no it yeah all right Nick, okay go look. with
2: it. Thanks Phil. <laughs> when, mate. In, when in when in Glasgow yeah, do as the Glaswegians right do. Well,
3: if wherever you're going, I'm going to get you to dress in the local attire too. So watch out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it should be good, and uh, yet something to look forward to. Excellent, good
2: on you. Um, now, finance news: uh, Reserve Bank today says interest rates are
3: staying on hold. They'll get it. We'll get, There'll be a cut, but it'll be later in the year. Yeah. Look, uh, the market's telling us that there, there should be a cut later in the year, but I watched Michelle Bullock's press conference with some interest. And look, uh, as much as we all like to speculate, and we certainly caught out the uh, the previous Reserve Bank governor on making some uh, some bold predictions, which didn't end up happening, um, uh, Michelle's very much saying that, look, it depends in, entirely on the data. So all of these things like the inflation data, uh, unemployment, all of those things will feed into uh, to whether yeah. or not we see those rate cuts. Look, I think it's really really important that people understand that we're not going back to those days when you were getting a mortgage for 2%, unless there's some sort of economic catastrophe that unfolds over the next few months that 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 ain't going to happen and i think the expectation amongst markets it's a return to normality um even even the reserve bank governor was saying that by 2026 it might be down to 3.5 percent the overnight cash rate so you know nowhere near 0.35 which is where it was uh, a couple of years ago
2: Mm, yeah no fair enough too
3: fair enough too um
2: sam's on the line g'day sam
1: Hi, how are you? Not too bad. Hi, Sam. How can I help? What's up? Two quick questions. When you apply for a pension, what I understand happens, is that say you apply for a pension and at a certain point they tell you you've, you've put all your documents in and then hopefully eventually they approve it. Uh, when does it actually get backdated to or does it?
3: Um. Yeah, so basically, Sam, when you finally push the lodge button, are you are you doing it yourself online or are you doing it via a Centrelink office? Uh,
1: online. Online.
3: Okay. So what you'll find is that when you when you do the application online using the MyGov portal, um, it's pretty easy to follow. Um, it'll ask you a whole series of questions. Now, when you get to the end of it, it'll, it'll then tell you what documents it wants to see. So that's when you include the scanned copies of your bank statements, uh, your account-based pension statements, all of those bits and pieces that they want. <clears throat> now, when you've successfully uploaded all of those, you can sub- click the Submit button. And effectively, once all that information's there, um, the pension will be backdated from the date that you collect, you, you. Um, hit the submit button and all the, all the information Now there. So the date you lodge. Yeah, they, they, they backdated. Now, last year, something we, we spoke about on not life was the uh, incredible delays, some dating back to months. Now, I understand that uh, Centrelink have been madly recruiting over the past few months, so hopefully those backlogs are, are down a little bit, but uh, it's certainly not instant, Sam, so be prepared to wait for uh, perhaps a month or two before you actually get that payment process, but it will be backdated to the date that you click the submit button. And I make that point fill for people that are about to retire is that the retirement process is a little bit long and drawn out in some instances. So make sure if you are going to pull up stumps that you've got enough cash to keep you going for the month or two that you might not be getting any income at all. And that includes releasing money from superannuation and all those sorts of things. So mm. We've had situations where people think that, you know, they turn the tap and it's going to start flowing immediately. It certainly doesn't. It can take some super funds up to six weeks to process a withdrawal request. So mm. just be conscious of that.
1: Hmm. That's really interesting. Uh, one last thing I was going to ask you yeah. was at the moment, uh, if a person gets a pension, and let's just say you were a teacher or a nurse and you wanted to work a couple of days shift work, yeah. uh, people, uh, people on the pension are really being disadvantaged because after the first day, you end up paying your 30% marginal tax rate in most cases, but then you penalise 50 cents on the dollar. So in effect you're well, paying Sam, a tax rate of 80 cents <clears> on the dollar.
3: That's not quite right. Now, one of the things that has changed on the 1st of July is the uh, the increase sure, to the, uh, the working bonus credit system. So basically what happens is the day that you retire um, you, you're allowed to earn $4,000 straight up from that moment of retirement without it affecting your pension under the income test. Now everyone in Australia over and Above that, gets a three hundred dollar per fortnight allowance, and if you don't use that three hundred dollar uh, working credit, it builds up to a maximum. It used to be a maximum of seven thousand eight hundred. That's now eleven thousand eight hundred. So, if you'd sort of stopped work, uh, retired, and then decided to go back after a year, you could literally earn eleven thousand eight hundred bucks. Or that only works
1: year. out to one day one day a week if you uh, work more than one day oh yeah no
3: if it's it's it, it sam i don't disagree at all it's it, it's uh, no question that uh, if you're constantly part-time employed something like that um it's going to affect mm. you but uh well, for people that
1: people therefore can't work which hurts the economy and the government doesn't get any more tax. Uh, I know. This is yeah. a, and this is a it's whole film. separate issue, Sam. <laughs> <It's> I agree <laughs> with you.
2: And many, Sam, I think many people listening would agree with you, and I agree with you. There's but,
1: a million uh, heads
3: nodding around the country. Sam.
2: And, uh, Sam, <laughs> Sam, we all agree with you. And and you know what? Um, I, I'd like to say add a letter to the pile already being sent to MPs about it because <laughs> it should happen. Yeah. 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 Thanks, Sam. Nick Bruning is our guest this evening. Quite a few things happening this year, uh, Nick, frozen Centrelink deeming rates are going to increase on July 1.
3: What's all this mean? Well, this is pretty significant, Phil. So, cast your mind back a couple of years ago in the run-up to the last federal election, and uh, I think the the government of the day said they were going to freeze the deeming rates at the very low rate they were, almost emergency measures, and we're talking about 0.25% for the first $60,400 if you're a single um, pensioner. Mm -hmm. And... uh, 2.25% thereafter, and if you're a couple of 100,200. Now, that's been the game in place uh, for the last couple of years, so 025 and 2.25%. Bear in mind that that was set when the overnight cash rate with the RBA, which we've just been speaking about at the beginning of the program, was at 0.35%. Now, that last, if you like, of the COVID concessions finishes on the 1st of July, and the freezing comes off. Now, what uh, our friends at um, Challenger Annuities have been looking at is the um, the relationship between the overnight cash rate and the deeming rates historically, and what's really really interesting is that when the uh, the cash rate was last around at four point three five four point five percent level, the deeming rates then were three percent. And 4.5%. So they're now 0.25 and 2.25. Imagine if they jumped back to where they were at three and 4.5%. Now, between now and the 1st of July, we've got a federal budget. Uh, it's not that far that we'll be into election mode for the next federal election. So we're not necessarily saying that those deeming rates will jump by that extent, but they will almost certainly be increased on the 1st of July. And the point is that if you're on an income tested pension, Um, or even if you're on an asset-tested pension, uh, it's very likely to affect the amount of pension you receive from Centrelink Mm. under the deeming system. So just be aware um, there are... Things that you can do uh, to mitigate that, Uh, I I briefly mentioned annuities. That's one way of getting around it. Um, The returns on annuities are pretty good because rates are so high at the moment. Uh, But, uh, again, be prepared. 1st of July, uh, you're probably going to see a drop in the pension um, if you're income tested.
2: Uh, Lynn from uh, Mount Omni says, a question for the financial man, she calls you. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) It's a sign on his door. Could you please explain the downsizer <laughs> rules to put money into super sure. when you sell your home?
3: Yeah, so um, so this is one of the concessions that's out there for people that decide to downsize. Uh, sometimes release it, um, money, and that mm. doesn't always not always the case. Um, so basically, you can contribute contribute up to three hundred thousand dollars each into a superannuation fund of your choice. Now it used to be sixty five. It then dropped to sixty. It's now. 55 and above. So if you sell the family home, providing you put the money into super within 90 days of settlement – that $300,000 can go in and so that's each, so a couple could in theory put in $600,000 between the two of them. The significance of this fill is that it doesn't count towards any of the contribution caps and uh, sometimes I'll talk about these things called the non-concessional contribution caps which is $330,000 and Um, it doesn't count to any of that sort of stuff. So in theory, um, if you sold your house for a big chunk of money, you could put in the $300,000 downsizer and you could put in the $330,000 under the bring forward non-concessional contribution rules and put in a whacking great money amount into super. But the key key is it must be your primary dwelling. Uh, I think you need to live there for 10 years and you must make that payment within 90 days of settlement. You can't come back to it, you know, Mm -hmm. you're down the track and say, I'd like to put that money into super.
2: Hmm.
3: Okay. Can you please explain the difference between investing in an ETF and shares? Yeah, so an ETF is short for exchange-traded fund. Now, I guess the key is in the words there, that traded fund. So a fund is basically a pool of investments. Generally speaking, it's going to be a pool of shares. So an exchange-traded fund, if you like, is a pool of shares within a fund which can be traded by the stock exchange. Now, most of these e- traded on the stock exchange, most of these ETFs or exchange-traded funds um, reflect an, an index like the ASX2. 200, which you sometimes hear mentioned on the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the 200 largest companies in Australia by value. Uh, and there are other ETFs out there, um, but generally speaking, they, they, do, uh, they invest your money into shares. Now, just be aware, and this is getting very technical, there are what's called synthetic ETFs, <clears throat> so synthetic meaning they're not the real thing, uh, where they – behave and look like an ETF, but they don't own the actual underlying assets. So I'm always very keen when I'm putting money into anything that is actually backed by real assets. So if you are going into the ETF game, then I'd be making sure that you, you're trading in a fund that actually owns the shares that they're, uh, they're representing there. Mm.
2: got to grab a line on the board if you like. Just one thing before we go to some cause, Nick, uh, superannua- the super contribution cap <coughs> is likely yeah. to increase this year. It's currently $27,500. That's That's the maximum you can put in... Uh, but it's likely to increase to 30, is it? Yeah. When? So, when, when after, so,
3: yeah. <laughs> come down, Phil. Come down. <laughs> Next week, he's hoping. No. Where's the money? Um, where's but, the money, no, Nick? Where's <laughs> the money? <laughs> in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to be receiving the, the December quarter for Average Weekly Ordinary Time Earnings, or AWOTE is the abbreviation. And the AWOTE figure determines the contribution caps. Now, uh, uh, through a quirk of the legislation, it only goes up in $2,500 increments. So AWOTE needs to jump by a bit for an order... For to flow through to an increase in the contribution cap. Now here's the thing Phil on I think it's the 22nd of February a weight for the December quarter only needs to go up by 0.6%. Uh, in order to trigger the next increase to the contribution cap. So all that gobbledygook basically means is that we're likely to see a $2,500 increase, and as you said, from twenty seven thousand to 27500 to $30,000 on the 1st of July. Now, uh, so from that point forward, you should be able to contribute thirty grand. Now, that includes the compulsory super, and I'll remind our listeners that that goes from 11% to 11.5% on the 1st of July. So whilst you've got a bit more to, to go in, remember the boss is paying in a little bit more. Um, The other thing to remember is that it actually flows through to these non-concessional contribution caps. Now, this is that deal where you can put in up to $110,000 per year and using a trick called Bring Forward, you can actually put three years worth in one year. So in other words, $330,000. Now, um, it's actually a multiple of the concessional cap what that that long-winded explanation means and instead of putting in $110,000, you will probably be able to put in $120,000 from July next year, which means three times under the Bring Forward rule means $360,000 you'd be able to put into superannuation from the 1st of July uh, next year as a non-concessional contribution. Now, um, strategically what we're saying to people is if you're in a situation where you might want to put in perhaps even a little bit more, it might be an inheritance or it might be the proceeds of a house sale, you might put in your $110,000 for this year, but don't go a cent over, uh, and then you can bring use the bring forward rules from the 1st of July and then put in the new increased amount of 360 grand. So very long-winded, but um, that's what's happening. It's quite significant because yeah. it'll basically mean people can put more money, more money into
2: super. Yep. Indeed, and just one final thing before we go to some calls the tax cuts Nick uh, <laughs> wow well. yes they 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 well we thought they were going to happen but they but they have happened in a, in a different form of course
3: yep I think uh, just needs to go back to the scent and royal scent and all those sorts of things yeah. but yeah look it, it's it's certainly a broader effect on a, a range of people of course the Folks that don't pay tax, a lot of our pensioners will be arguing, well, it doesn't help us much, and it probably doesn't. Uh, but when you consider that, uh, you know, the average Australian thinks going to be picking up an extra sixteen hundred dollars in their their pay packet from the first of June. Obviously, that's spread out over the year; it's not a one off hit. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, up to one hundred and twenty grand, you're going to be seeing an extra eight hundred and four dollars in your. Um, um, in your pay pay, uh, does per, everyone get year? a tax cut? Even
2: pretty increase, much pretty much yeah. all the way up to two hundred thousand.
3: Yeah, they do. Um, so it's it's modest. Uh, for example, from zero to eighteen thousand two hundred, none of us pays tax anyway. Yeah, uh, up to uh, that's the new figure. It's going to be. Uh, uh, yeah, forty five thousand dollars at the moment. We're currently paying nineteen percent. That will drop to sixteen percent, so it's going to be mm. less for there. And then the next band is from um, forty five thousand up to one hundred thirty five thousand. You'll be paying thirty percent tax. And then from one hundred thirty five to one hundred ninety, you'll be paying thirty seven percent tax, which is the, the current rate. Mm. And then above one hundred ninety is forty five percent tax. Of course, on top of that, we pay Medicare levy of two percent. Um, so yeah, but most people will end up pocketing well. We we'll, We'll run the numbers once it's done, but it'll also increase the amount that people can earn before they pay any tax at all because they're also – Fiddling around with the meditac uh, with the Medicare numbers as well, um, but at the moment, for example, a single senior can earn thirty three thousand and eighty eight dollars a year. They don't pay any tax at all, and a couple can each earn, which which are seniors, uh, twenty nine thousand seven hundred eighty three, mm. and not pay tax. So those numbers will also go up, which means that they will uh, will benefit from that. All right, let's take some calls.
2: Lines free if you want to grab one. Nick from Sale. G'day, Nick.
4: Yeah. Good evening, Jets. Hey, Nick. Uh, please, how are you, mate? Good. Um, Question, I've been back to Centrelink three times. I'm, mm. I'm a senior, I'm retired five years, mm. and I want to go back to work a couple of days a week, earn a bit more money, and I'm you know a little bit bored mm. with retirement. Now, the 11800 that you're allowed to earn on top of your... Single, yeah. I'm a single pensioner. Yeah. Now, I've been back to Centrelink three times, and they can't tell me if that 11800 is per annum, or is that the... The only amount you're allowed to earn no. over a over new period.
3: So, the way the system works now is that when you stop work um, completely and you retire, you get an immediate $4,000 credit in your working bank system, right? So, that means you could earn $4,000 uh, before any of that would affect your Centrelink pension. Now, if you don't use that, that $4,000 sits there. Every fortnight, you get an extra $300 allowance of the what we call the income-free area. Now, if you don't use that $300, it builds up, and it builds up to a maximum of what was 7800 but now the maximum will be 11800 So instead of it, it used to work out, Nick, that the $300 per fortnight over a year would build up to that $7,800, right? So it's quite easy to sort of work out. Now, of course, because it's now $11,800, it would probably take you, I don't know, a year and a bit to build up to the $11,800. So it's not an immediate extra $4,000 every year. Um, It's $11,800 built up at $300 per fortnight. Or if you stop work, that immediate $4,000 one-off credit.
4: Yeah, I understand that, but um, no, is that over a 12-month period, like uh, over a financial year? I can earn 11,800, and does that start again in the new financial year?
3: No, and no, it doesn't. What... It's no, you can only earn. Four thousand dollars once you stop work, and then it's three hundred dollars per fortnight. Is the is the is the um, the the income from employment that's exempt? Okay, so it's not a lump sum over the year. You need to it needs to build up. If you don't use the three hundred a fortnight, it then gets added and it slowly builds up. It's not an immediate eleven thousand eight hundred dollar working credit.
4: I still don't understand.
3: Um, okay, I'm try- Let's try and explain it another way. Um, the day you stop work, you get $4,000 added to your credit. So you could earn that 4000 bucks in a month, if you like, right? And it wouldn't affect yep. your pension. Mm. Every fortnight, at the same time, you're getting $300 additional allowance, right? Yes. If you don't work at all... In other words, you stop work dead, you've got four thousand dollars. On the first fortnight you'd have four thousand three hundred. The second fortnight you'd have four thousand six hundred. The third fortnight it had four thousand nine hundred, and so on and so on until it got up to eleven thousand eight hundred. Right. Does that make sense? Not one bit, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, um,
4: it, I, it does not it just doesn't make sense to me that They've got a ceiling of even 900 overall and then they, then it starts to affect your pension. I just, yeah. thought, it would, that, I just thought that that...
3: Right. I, I think where you're getting report. confused is it, you're seeing it as a one-off credit. It doesn't work that way. It has to build up over a period of time.
2: Mm. Okay, Nick, uh, we better move on. Others want to ha- ask yep. questions. Uh, Peter from Melbourne. G'day, Peter.
1: Yeah, g'day. How are you going? Not bad. Uh, yeah, my question, I've got a
3: defined benefit super scheme. Yep. Um, my preservation age on that 60, I'm currently 57 and a half. And just considering uh, if I wanted to, to go early, what happens with that money that's currently in my defined benefit scheme in that next two and a half years or so before I hit the preservation area. So it's very much going to depend on the individual scheme and they do differ between schemes. So there's Commonwealth and State and there's also private business things. So generally what happens is the defined benefit will either um, generally freezes at that amount and then it, it increases at a set rate um, so some of these defined benefit schemes, for example, in my state, I'm pretty sure it's um, a CPI plus a percentage. So um, it can be, you know, if CPI is running at four or five percent and these things are getting six or seven percent. So it very much depends on the scheme. So if you go to um, the defined benefit scheme website and uh, it should explain what happens there, but most of the time, whatever your benefit is now, that lump sum value, um, it, it stays there and then it's increased by a, a certain percentage each year until you you get to your preservation agent, you can access it. Yeah, okay. So it doesn't essentially grow very – or in, in real time, oh, it doesn't de- really grow at all. It depends on the fund. It depends on the fund, Peter. As I was saying, uh, in my state, Western Australia, it's uh, CPI plus a percentage. So if CPI is running hot like it was, 7% mm. last year, they were picking up 8%. Thank you very much. Um, in fact, it was almost worthwhile quitting work and watching the uh, inflation do its thing um, and, and uh, rather than continuing to work in the scheme. Thanks, Pete. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Good on you, David, from YAS. day, David.
1: Uh,
5: good uh, evening. Um, uh, Nick's uh, explaining things very well. I'm um, a uh, uh, retired accountant. Um, had, have, having to explain to, to clients the difference between the average tax rate and the marginal tax rate. So when we say the tax rate, it's the marginal tax rate. Every extra dollar yeah. you earn over a certain threshold uh, comes in at that 45% because a lot of people might think, oh, my God, I'm going
2: to be paying 45%... On the whole of my income, yeah. on, which is not the case, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's right. good, good point to make, David. Yeah,
3: thanks. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay, thank you. Bye. Good, good, good Oh, good that was it. No, that, yeah. no, that,
2: good one, David. <laughs> <That's> no, <laughs> no
3: and, and, it's, and, and it's similar... It, problem comes up with capital gains tax, Phil, and people Mm -hmm. often think that capital gains is at a set rate when it's actually not. So it's basically whatever the profit you've made on your capital gain, if you've held it for more than 12 months, half of it is added to your other income in that year that the event has occurred, Mm. and you pay tax, as David pointed out, at your marginal rate. So it's not a a flat capital gains tax rate, and that's why often when we're doing some planning about someone that's retiring and they're going to sell an asset, if they sort of tie it in with the end of the financial year, we'll sometimes push the sale of the asset into the new financial year where they're no longer working, uh, so they don't have that additional income from employment to to zip up their mm. total uh, income that's used for tax purposes. So uh, timing can be everything in those situations. Yes,
2: exactly. Nick mm.
3: Bruning is with us. Greg, on the text line, I'm just about to
2: put $480,000 into a term deposit at 4.8% paid monthly. My super fund's paying about 2% in the cash area. I'm retired. I have no other income. Is this a good strategy?
3: Yeah, so the super fund, depending on what mode of operation you're in, so there's what we call accumulation phase and pension phase. So, in accumulation phase, there's tax at 15% that's going to be charged. So, depending on your fund, again, uh, it may be that the fund is reflecting the net of tax and fees return that's paid to the investors. Uh, that said, Phil, there are certainly funds out there that allow you to dial up various term deposits from different institutions. So, what you sometimes find is Is that the the super fund uh, has got an arrangement with a particular bank or or institution, and you know it's a very limited term deposit choice. Whereas some of the other funds allow you to choose any any one of the big four, you get some pretty decent rates. Um, So yeah, absolutely. So shop around a bit. Um, I might just point out too. Just before
2: you do, I just I just want to say hello to our South Australian listeners. Hello, South (laughs) Australia. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, wait for it. <laughs> South Australian <laughs> listeners, welcome to Nightlife. Hello. <laughs> Hello, South Australian <laughs> listeners. That's right. Someone says, why can't we hear the front half of the program? I know you're hearing it live now. You know what? Get on to your local ABC people in Adelaide and say, we want to hear the whole of Nightlife. Yeah, yeah, especially the, the finance favorite. guy. Get, yeah. on Get on to them. Get them say, I really like Nightlife live, but why can't we hear the whole show? There you go. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt you. No, Nick, Where you go.
3: No, no, fine. I was just about to explain that um, even though the term deposits are at 4.7 or whatever it is from the different big, banks. Uh, Shop around, folks. Uh, Before I came on here, I checked out what the latest online introductory account is offering. And uh, 5.75%, Philip? For four months, money's available at call. That's a pretty good rate of return. It's not bad, is it? No, yeah, no, no. and then it reverts back down to about 4.7, which is higher than some of the term deposits. Now, admittedly, you, you, you don't get that rate for you know, 12 months or whatever. It's not a term deposit. It, it, they don't fix the rate. It's subject to variations. But uh, it's pretty good, 5.75. Um, yeah, happy mm. with that. Mm. Would you
2: advise or recommend getting an independent piece of advice rather than speaking with an advisor through one super fund?
3: Oh, okay. <laughs> um, all right. So I'll, I'll upfront declare my interest in that I am an independent advisor and the, how they operate is that they are not allowed to be aligned with any product whatsoever. In fact, they're not allowed to be paid any commissions or any backhanders from any product whatsoever. So independence means that you pay the bill directly to the advisor and that advice uh, should be untainted by any sales type things. That said, the advice that's provided by the super funds, not for a moment am I questioning its uh, its effectiveness or its, uh, its its accuracy however bear in mind that um, if they're working for a super fund and and the super funds not going that well it's it's probably unlikely they're going to recommend another fund if uh, you know they're being paid by that fund to give advice mm-hmm. so not. that's where these conflicts arise and some are suggesting that uh, you know some of these proposals with super funds providing advice which is cheap and I get all that uh, just takes us back to the, the dark old days when the uh, the super funds were dishing out the advice with the means of selling product and and you know I, I must admit I can't see much of a difference. I'll um I'll put a plug in for CIFA Phil at this stage, the Independent Financial Advisors Association, of which I'm tied up with. CIFAA.asn.au. ci is a certified independent financial advisors association. Members in every state now, Phil. Not every territory, but every state. Yeah, and it's independent. So yep, you'll pay a fee to see them, but you'll know that you're getting stuff that's Suited to you and not the company they work for. There you go. All right, uh,
2: Nick Bruning is with us. Aaron from Castle Hill. Hi, Aaron.
4: Hi everyone. Um, my question is what can you do with your money after you're dead? So I've been to
3: two Very sorry, very little, as the, <laughs> very little is <laughs> the answer. And, uh, well, yeah. yes.
4: So I let's say I don't have kids, not that I'm aware of, or any that I'm aware of, right. <laughs> um, no parents, no siblings, no nothing. Mm, and okay. both financial advisors basically said, you can do whatever you want as long as it's not illegal. Mm. But well, yeah. maybe I should ask, what are the strange and interesting things you have seen people um,
3: well, that's a really good question. And, and I have to say that in most cases, there is family involved somewhere along the line. So it might be, if it's not direct descendants, it might be nieces and nephews that uh, people decide yeah. to leave their wealth so, to. Yeah. So, so if that's...
4: I, what if I, I do not want any of them. Yeah, that's fine. Which a lawyer can do, right? And then what do I do next?
3: Well, yeah. Provisioning stuff generally relates to direct family descendants um, when there's, you know, you you hear and read about these um, actions commenced in courts about uh, kids not being happy with their distribution. So the other thing you've got, Aaron, is is potential charities or or good causes that you might feel something towards, and um, you know, so you might decide to leave your money to, I don't know, Red Cross or someone like that, medicine Sans Frontières, those sorts of organisations. Many of those organisations will also assist you. Now, knowing that they're going to receive the benefits of an estate, uh, they'll often assist you in preparing the will. In fact, some of them will do it for free, um, if you're nominating nominating them as as one of the beneficiaries of the estate. So, um, it's time where you can sort of sit down and contemplate who you'd like to help, who you think needs help, and uh, and distribute your wealth that way. Okay. okay. Right. So so just
2: be, be warned, Aaron, if you do have – oh, you said you didn't have any children, so it doesn't apply yeah. to you. But yeah. if you do have children, cutting them out of your will is quite difficult. It but, is, uh, yeah. But if yeah. you don't have children, no, you can – well, as Nick said, I think you can leave your money to whoever you like. Yeah. Leave it to the cat's home, Aaron. Yeah, okay. I, in fact... <laughs> do they have even have cat homes anymore? I, don't
3: know. I think they do, yeah. No, yeah. there's cat welfare sort of, you know, homes yeah. and stuff where they find new cats. I, I do recall one story, Phil, where um, an elderly gentleman... can you gentleman... explain
4: that again? What was that again? What, cat welfare? Oh, they're, they're,
3: they're cat... <laughs> there's d- different organisations that assist... They're animal charities, cat, so. yeah. yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I was just going to tell the story, Phil, of this dear old gentleman who's now gone to God many, 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 many years ago um, who... Um... <laughs> Who <laughs> told the old old aged care facility that he was staying in that um that he was going to leave all the money to them right and uh by goodness they looked after him <laughs> 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 They named a room after him, and he had his <laughs> own special chair. Anyway, the he joke was got a was, prime spot in front of the TV. I absolutely, and the, the joke was that when he died, he didn't have anything—virtually <laughs> 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 nothing <laughs> left. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, Aaron, 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 I'm getting quite from you today.
2: Sorry, what is uh, Aaron?
4: I think this will be the best advice you've given out for this evening, Aaron. Aaron oh, I'm getting you.
2: quite a few texts uh, with suggestions of who you could leave it to, <laughs> <laughs> probably with a mobile number uh, too, too, Aaron. <laughs> 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 See you, Aaron and good luck. Thanks for the question. one 300 800 Christine in Hobart on the text line, what's the cheapest way of getting a loan to renovate your house?
3: Um, probably the mortgage, that's always going to be the cheapest rate of interest that you'll get. Um, and certainly, um, I think banks are doing a deal. It's, it's quite competitive at the moment, Phil. So uh, some of the, the crazy deals where they pay you cash to, uh, to change your loan have, have disappeared, mm. but certainly you can get some decent honeymoon rates. Um, as with any loan, um, the, the sooner you can pay it back, the better. Even if it's low interest, um, it still makes sense repaying the loan. But when, when interest rates were at two or three percent, it wasn't quite, uh, you know, quite as important. But now that we're paying five, six, seven percent for mortgages, um, remember that you're paying a mortgage with after-tax money. There's no tax relief if it's being used for private purposes. Uh, so you know, consider that if you're paying six percent on a mortgage, uh, it's uh, it's after-tax money, which means if you're getting the money to cover it after tax, you need to be earning about 7 or 8% in order to pay 6%. So getting rid of that mm. is like earning 8% on your money uh, pre-tax. Yep. Freya says, I've left my money to various medical research
2: organisations, yeah. scholarships, animal welfare, disadvantaged children. There's plenty of,
3: uh, there's plenty of ideas.
2: There, yeah,
3: yeah, mm. and and as I say, um, you sort of think about the things that you've enjoyed through life and, um, yeah, and exactly. things that you might want to help. And that's a yeah. good idea. You know what? Mm. If you've enjoyed going to the art gallery, leave it at the art gallery. Yeah, yeah.
2: yep. For, I'm, for I'm example, for, for example, yeah. yeah. Uh, friend, this is for people who really do not have any family or dependents, and sadly, there are some people in that situation. Uh, yeah. Well, it could be sadly or otherwise, I guess. Friend uh, Francesco, good day. Yes, good day, gents.
5: Uh, my, my sister has a hundred thousand in dollars in an MLC super fund, mm-hmm. and she's looking. She's looking at using the bring forward rule. Yep. She hasn't contributed any money to super this year. Disability pension, a single sixty-year-old, um, yep. but she's looking at using the bring forward rule for three because she's an inheritance. Yeah, so um, three hundred thirty thousand the bring forward rule. Now, what I'm looking to advise her, that, and that using, um, a, a setting up a new industry fund, like, say, Australian yep. Super. Yep. So the three thirty to go into the new fund, Australian Super. I'm, I'm looking at getting her to amalgamate that 100000 from the other fund, the MLT, yep. into the Australian Super. So she'll end up having 430000 in there. Is yep. that okay, or is that considered to no. be...
3: Absolutely, absolutely fine, Francesco. So a couple of things to ask. That 330, was that the inheritance or does she actually have a bit more that she'd want to pay? Uh, into super- no, and-
5: no, she hasn't got it yet, but she will get it. And she obviously has to be careful of the $300,000, right. having yeah. assets over 300000 to reduce her disability pension.
3: Yeah. So while I was rattling through things before, I mentioned the fact that um, the current bring forward is three hundred and thirty thousand, based on a one hundred and ten thousand dollar non-concessional yep. contribution cap. Uh, you might not have heard, but I meant that I mentioned that's likely to go up to $360,000 on the 1st of July uh, because of a probable increase of the contribution cap. So what she could do is stage it a little bit, um, put some money in this financial year, uh, the 110000 and then if she waits until the 1st of July, then she could use the new inc- improved, increased bring forward rule of three hundred and sixty grand if she wanted to put a bit more in. But you're quite Great right.
5: Great strategy. Great strategy, yeah. but the problem is that she's going to inherit say seven hundred thousand before the 3rd right. of the June.
3: Okay, that's that's so that's what it is. No, that's mm. fine. So um, the other thing I'd mention, you, I think you, you did you say your sister was sixty years old on a disability pension or yes. Yeah, okay. So she can also um, still make use of the non uh, the concessional contributions. Uh, so she could pay money into super and claim it as a deduction. You might want to get some do some analysis on that. And equally, because she hasn't paid money into super, uh, or, sorry, her balance is less than half a million dollars. Uh, potentially, she could put in up to five years' worth of those con- uh, concessional contributions. Uh, once the change comes through, it could be up to one hundred and thirty-five thousand of tax deductible contributions. So yes, but you, you,
5: the concessional would. Help her because she's. Um, not no, I get any, that.
3: Any, yeah. yeah, no, that's yeah. fine. That, but the D is, the disability support pension, of course, is tax free. So you're, you're quite right. The, yeah. the, the tax side of things, you've just got to weigh up the the lost benefit because of the asset test being applied to her once um, yep. she gets all that money. But look, as far as the rolling over of the MLC or um, or whatever the yep. uh, the product is, yeah, you'll find that the super funds themselves will help you do that. Uh, but. The receiving fund will, not the exiting fund. So if you yep. contact Australian Super and say, look, I've got this, or she's got this yep. fund with MLC, these are the product numbers, and da, 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 um, they'll probably assist her in transferring the money across. Mm. And she I'm sure they much. will. Yeah, no, they will. <laughs>
2: Thanks, Francesco. Thanks, Gene. Good on you. Bye-bye. 300 800 Nick Bruning is with us. Stephen in Adelaide. Uh, well, yes, I can't do anything about it, Stephen. It's great to have you on live. I realise you're, <laughs> <the Steve>. fr- <laughs> you're missing the first half of our first hour, but uh, I'd like you to listen to the whole hour. So get onto ABC Adelaide and say, just put us on live from the beginning. You know, it's great to have you on live. That's great. Uh, and we love it too, and we'd love to speak to you more, so we'd love you to listen. So uh, get on to ABC Adelaide and say that's what you'd like to do. Or move state, Steve. <laughs> or, Steve, and you could listen to us on the ABC Listen app, and that's another <laughs> way to do it, all three hundred eight hundred triple two is the number. Sue from Armadale. G'day, Sue.
1: Hi, Phil and Nick. It's lovely to speak with you. Likewise. Nick, my husband passed away recently and mm-hmm. he died in test. Mm-hmm. Of administration. Oh, I'm sorry, did you have yep. an eight? Thank you. We have a daughter who will soon be 18. Mm-hmm. He has an online share trading account with a portfolio, which when she turns 18, I'd like to transfer into her name. Mm-hmm. What do I need to consider?
3: Um, uh, well, firstly, as I said, very sorry to hear the circumstances. So, uh, if you. y- your husband died intestate, you said. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, and are you Armadale, Western Australia, or Armadale, New South Wales, or Armadale somewhere else?
1: New South Wales. Okay. and
3: I've al- already received letters of administration. Oh, okay, all right. So, um, the the letters of administration will require you to a- apply the formula that the um, uh, that exists under that state's legislation, and I don't don't know what it is in New South Wales, but it'll be an allocation of a certain amount. Now, if uh, if if you contact the, the share uh, broker that uh, your husband was using, um, they yeah. should be able to establish an account for your daughter and then transfer the shares in specie across to, to her account. Now, on that basis, that your daughter will in, do, were the shares all acquired after 1985? Do you know yes. Sue? Yep. Yes. Okay. Yes. These so, are. Okay. So basically, your daughter will inherit the 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 cost base and date that the shares were acquired by your husband at, so that when mm-hmm. she finally sells those shares, basically she'll pay tax on that basis. Okay. So, mm-hmm. uh, but there shouldn't be too much of an issue if you've got the letters of administration. Um, I'm, look again. I don't know if the legislation requires you to li- liquidate everything in New South Wales. I. I don't think it happens in this state, but um, you just need to make sure that you're following the uh, the law, obviously. And do yep. you, are you required to um, submit what you do to the public trustee in New South Wales or not, after you've finished your job uh, as an executive?
1: No, n- no, no, I don't. Okay. No. okay. All
3: right. So, so it- yeah. But, look, I think you'll find that the sheriff brokerage will, will, will have done, dealt with this before, and they, they'd they be pretty helpful in telling you what you need to do. Okay. Thank you. So there's no tax implication. Not, for not, not, yet. not, not until she sells them, till they're disposed of.
1: Yeah. Or the dividends that she yeah. yeah. receives. Yeah. Basically, that,
3: once well, you realise a... the gain, yeah. isn't, isn't it? Just That's a... right. So, yeah. but sh- but the um, the estate, however, will need to do a final return for the dividends that have been received from the period that has yes. been passed uh, to when those shares actually change over. So you'll probably need to have a chat to an accountant. Um, Uh, if you're, you know, if you're not sure how to do it yourself Mm. and and they prepare a a, a final set of accounts for the estate.
1: Thanks, Sue. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. No
3: Thanks. I'm glad uh, Nick's been able to
1: help
2: you out uh, here. uh, Hmm. I guess,
3: um, I mean, the the flow and message from Sue's dreadful circumstance, I'm very sorry to hear about it, is that that it's so important to do things like the will and the enduring power of attorney. um, It is very important. Because, um, you know, no one really knows when they're going to go and it's just Terrible. Sometimes the the complications I see, particularly when you know there's self managed super funds dressed up, uh, set up and companies and trusts and goodness knows mm. what. And uh, yeah, getting a will is is so important. Oh, kiddo,
2: one is the number. Stephen in Darwin. Hello, Stephen.
0: Hi. How are you going? Hi. Yeah, I uh, was diagnosed with a terminal illness a couple of years ago, and I left work voluntarily because. I felt that I couldn't perform my duties properly, mm-hmm. so I retired after the age and uh, went on a road trip. Saw quite a bit of Australia yep. and came back and got a bit bored and kind of ran out of money. And my treatment was going good, so I'm yep. still alive.
1: Mm-hmm. Good to hear that. And
0: yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm in a situation now where I'm in a on a invalid pension and I've returned to work because of financial hardship, Mm -hmm. um, part-time, and I'm trying to access my superannuation Mm -hmm. under those conditions. uh, I need the money, and I'm having trouble at the moment recovering that money from a certain superannuation. I realize you can't say their names or anything, so Mm -hmm. I just wanted to ask... Well, what real benefit you know superannuation has for a person in my position if they're going to play it on the stock market yeah look I my, I'm, I'm, my money on the stock market and deny me the money and then maybe fob off the people who
1: right.
0: would you know uh inherit my money
1: mm-hmm.
3: yeah
0: and fob them off and play it on the stock market as well i, I think it's a fairly broken system actually
3: Okay, Stephen, look, I guess it's a mixed call, isn't it? Good news that you're still with us and unfortunate that you're finding so many obstructions for things that you want to do. Look, one of the things that does exist is the terminal illness benefit where if a person is diagnosed with a terminal illness with a prognosis of death, death within two years, uh, the Superfund can release the funds. Now, I guess that it's good news that the treatment is working at the moment, but um, I, I don't know. Perhaps you need to speak to your your doctors to see whether or not, um, you know, that's, that prognosis, as terrible as it is, still exists. Because if it does, then there's, I would have thought there's a reasonable chance that you would be able to go back to the Superfund yeah. and say, here's the medical reports, give me the money. Now, in yeah. terms of the risk side of things is concerned, there's absolutely nothing to stop you, Stephen, going to the super fund either online or filling in the form and switching yeah. your money from uh, the volatile area of shares and stuff into perfectly safe cash. Uh, we all have choice yeah. in super these days to, to take it out of the risky stuff and put it in the safe stuff and you know yeah. what, you might do that in the hope that you're going to be able to access it at some point in the future. Uh, look, I have to say that it's been a, a bone of contention with many people dealing with some of the uh, the low-cost funds in getting benefits out of them, um, uh, whether it's terminal illness or death benefits. I, I've, I've had personal experience with, uh, with someone that I've been helping that took, uh, what was it, five months to get a payout, and it was a mm-hmm. you know a pretty straightforward death claim, I thought, but they took forever. Anyway, yeah. they've assured us that yeah,
0: they're... I, I kind of feel that they should facilitate people I agree. in my position. I
1: agree. Absolutely agree with my it. Money, and, and, you.
0: Know. Yeah. I, I accept that uh, the insurance might be cancelled if I withdraw, yeah. Uh, that kind of thing. Uh, I believe I'm not entitled to the insurance anyway, but I, one of the mm-hmm. problems is yeah. that I've returned to work part-time and yeah. the law says that because of that, that's uh, actually a hindrance to my accessing that
1: money.
3: Mm. Yeah, okay, you know, well, I'm, right there, I'm you know. not, not quite sure that's right. I don't know, maybe it's the difference with returning to work, but I absolutely know people that uh, that are working and, you know, they have a, a terminal condition and they continue to work because they have to um, while they're processing payments from the super fund. But you, you're absolutely spot on. I mean, the, the, the delays are horrendous. And when you get a situation where there's a, a sudden death and there's a big mortgage, um, you know, yeah. that mortgage continues to, to cost the, the, the people remaining big yeah. bucks and it just builds up and up, right. up and up I, I don't and up. taken months.
0: Yeah, I don't out. want to leave my loved ones chasing that money to yeah. cremate me. Yeah. Basically, yeah. You know, I'm pretty yeah. pragmatic about all um, that. And
1: Stephen, I oh, would.
0: I just wanted to, you know,
1: yeah, uh, make us aware. Say yeah, that
0: it's not all. It's not all easy, and I think for people who are, have a terminal yeah. illness, the super funds could make it easy.
3: Well, yeah. okay. a couple of things that Smooth. you could do in a practical sense. You could write a letter to them and use the word complaint in it. That triggers a whole lot of things and if that doesn't work in, in terms of getting your money then you've always got AFCA or the Australian Financial Complaints Authority. It's a lot of paperwork, Stephen, but, um, yeah, you know. which you probably I'm don't want at out this out stage out of your life. Yeah. But anyway. I don't, I don't yeah. think
0: they understand either that we're old people. We're not used to the internet and everything. And sure.
3: Oh, don't get, get me started on that. <laughs> 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 we've got to go
0: running around town to get IDs and yeah. notarise. Those yep. copies and stuff, and send
2: it in the post. Oh, I know. And, you know, jump through hoops. Oh, I know. Best, of money. best of yeah. luck, <laughs> best <laughs> of luck, Steve. Good <laughs> on you. Thank you. You got on oh, you. best know. of luck. Yeah. Uh, all right. Interesting point. Yes. <laughs> um, interesting. Uh, Selina in Newcastle says, and uh, not uh, Nick." Uh, so, dear Nick, I'll get about a mill from selling my place. I've retired and no mortgage. Yeah. Is it a good idea to put this to buy super, or should I put it into the short term,
3: earning five point seven percent interest? Well, you can't put it all into super in the first place, no. unfortunately. You're going Can to be restricted by those month. caps. No. No. So you, you might be able to make use of the downsize of 300000 If you haven't done the bring forward, you could put in three hundred and thirty grand this year and possibly uh, 360000 three sixty next financial year, uh, one or the other. Um, so you, you're bound at 600000 or thereabouts. Um, the rest of it, you would absolutely put it into some reasonable, uh, safe investment like a Bank account backed by the financial claim scheme, $250,000 per account holder per institution. Spread it around a little bit and uh, you'll be earning a decent rate of return particularly if you look online and you can get 5.75% of your money. But you're restricted to how much you can put into super by the rules. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with having money in the super. Bear in mind, though, that it will be exposed to risk uh, if it's in a conventional sort of fund that goes up and down with the share market. So mm. uh, you'd be taking a long, long-term long perspective. There you go. Uh,
2: we've got time for one more call. I think we have Gary at Woggle Sorry, Gary, you've been waiting on there. Hello. Hello, Stephen. Uh, Nick, good evening. Thanks
6: for taking my <laughs> Phil, Phil's my name, <laughs> and Steven. Nick, Stephen. Stephen was
3: in South Australia, but that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> Phil, <yeah>. that's, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> um,
6: first comment I just refer back to that guy that rang earlier about the work bonus, and he couldn't mm. work out how it went. Uh, I'm on a work bonus, and I've been on some t- for a couple of years. My wife is as well, although mm. so, no, she doesn't work, and I do a fair bit of casual work during the harvest time. Yep. And, uh, uh i've been doing seven days a week and 12 and 14 hours a day i've earned quite a bit of money in a fortnightly period that has impacted on my uh pension yeah and and consequently I've, i have i had to take a reduced pension now uh, my work bonus shows and my wife's at the moment twelve thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. um, what annoys me is when I uh, do that earnings and I get penalised on my pension, my wife does as well.
3: Yeah. Uh, well, you're right, because the work bonus only applies to an individual. Even though you, your wife has a work bonus, you can't roll it across into hers, unfortunately. No, no. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, you're right. But it's your pension that's being Clipped and you, you, unfortunately, you yeah you're being affected by the income test, which reduces the pension by fifty cents for dollar every dollar over yeah. three hundred and sixty bucks plus that's the work bonus yeah. amount. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, but that's the system.
1: And,
6: and also to answer that guy that rang earlier, like uh, I earn that money and uh, and and it reduces my pension. When I do stop and I go for a period of another two months or so, that builds up again. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, three hundred a fortnight. As you,
6: as you tried to explain to him, eventually you yeah. said eleven thousand, whatever it was. So, but, yeah, yeah, okay, um, yeah.
1: All right, but, but, but I, it was never.
3: It's not a not an easy system to understand, and uh, keeps me fully employed, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right, Nick, we're running out of time. Um, that organisation again, CIFWA, the. The Certified Independent
3: Financial Advisors Association, cifaa.asn.au. And uh, that,
2: that way you can find there There are people in every state. Yep. Nick Bruning uh, will be back down the track to answer some more questions. So we'll get on, to on you, Nick. Thank you so much for your time.